What's up, everyone? This is the Almighty Jin, and you're about to listen to episode 16 of Jin's Playground, where I sit down one-on-one with good friend and magic pro Conley Woods. I'm a bit of a noob when it comes to doing podcasts with other people, as I usually fly solo on all of my podcasts, so uh, the audio quality might not be up to snuff in some parts of the show, and I just wanted to make you all aware that when it comes down to the, the audio quality of my show... Efforts will be doubled to lock down some better-sounding stuff. Also wanted to make a note that Jin's Playground now has a Facebook page. The link to join is listed in the show notes. When I'm not throwing it down here on MTG Cast, I'm dropping bombs on Facebook. So if you uh, like the show or you're just really that bored, join today, and I'll try and put a smile on your face. And now, without any further shenanigans, episode 16 of The Playground. Peace! The Red Bull would be flowing. You said Red Bull Bull. would be flowing. It is flowing. Oh, I gotta take a drink. Mm. It's even sugar-free. You, you're pansy. Ah, it's so good. As promised, I am not alone this time. I have me with me the C to the dub, Channel Fireball columnist, the master, and TCG player, and TCG player. Okay, TCG player. Give give him a little, a little dap. The master of disaster, the prime minister of baristas. I've never been a barista in my life. The pride of North Dakota. How, how dare you. Magic Pro, club level 69. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one. I give you the only, Mandy Moore. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you very much. Mandy Moore. What? <laughs> I picked one of my top ten. I don't understand how there's a mm. problem there. Speaking of top ten, you are fresh off of Grand Prix Houston. Yep. How was that? Uh, I did not top ten, so I don't know how that was a segue. But it was good. It was top, what, 26? 25. Because you were 25. I'm not 25. You're 25. I'm 23. You were 23? No, I'm 23 years old. No, you were 25 when you ended. This show's already derailed. This is a disaster. Disaster. 25th 25th at Grand Prix Houston, and you did it with the deck that should have been. The deck that, what does that mean? What that means is that I heard that this is the deck that you played, or you were going to play at Worlds, but didn't. The one at Worlds had white for, like, Tidal, Scholar, and Meddling Mage and stuff, and the mana was pretty shitty. And there was no persecutor out then, which is bad news bears. And there was no Jace out then, which is double bad news bears. And yeah, other than that, it was basically a. They had vampire nighthawks in it instead of persecutors. Um, basically, you just had problems finishing a game off. Okay. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't very good against aggro. But but do you kind of feel closure now that like you, you got to play this deck that you wanted to play at Worlds but didn't or? Yeah, like, I didn't anticipate playing this deck when I showed up there. I showed up with a blue-red, like, Jace deck, kind of like Brandon Shields deck. Uh, I'd been working on it for, like, ten days. Um, but then we were working on some cyborging stuff, and I just had, like, a, a house moment, if you will, where I was, like, looking up cyborg cards, and all of a sudden, like, had an epiphany, and right. before I knew anything, there was, like, 60 cards typed up on my computer and showed Gavin, and Gavin was like, that looks sweet, and he had promised to play whatever I played, so. Now, in general, what do you, how do you feel about Audible? Like, um, I mean, I don't prefer Audible. I would 
not liked Audible, but when a deck just feels better and feels right, and regardless of when you made it, you got to go with your, you know, with what you're feeling, and, uh, you know, everything kind of clicked. We got about 30, 35 games in, like, on the spot, and it was testing pretty well against everything. You know, the deck, of course, started off as a bunch of four of evolved into ones and twos, um, but, like, you know, when something just kind of clicks, you can't really pass it up just because you built it the night before. Like, obviously, I prefer not to do that, but... Well, that's cool. Uh, you, uh, besides gunslinging at the next Denver pre-release uh, this upcoming weekend, what's next in line for Conley Woods? Like, I San Juan? Is it San Juan or Grand Prix? Uh, Washington, D.C. I might go to a 5K between now and then. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, or 10K or whatever. Uh, then San Juan. Uh, I'll be gunslinging in L.A. for the M11 pre-release. Oh, wow. Under Glenn Goddard. Busy. Uh, Busy. My favorite T.O., Glenn Goddard. The, your second favorite T.O. My second favorite T.O., yes. Actually. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I have, you know, a whole, after after that, there's a big slew. Like, I have, like, a four-week trip coming up between, you know, Nationals, then uh, Grand Prix Gothenburg in Sweden, and then... Uh, oh, you are going to Sweden? Yeah, it's a week before Amsterdam, so I might as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then Amsterdam after that, and then straight from there to Grand Prix Portland, so... It's like four straight weeks of like traveling around the world. It's going to be kind of crazy. So now, a rumor has it that you're getting a beach house out in San Juan. Is that a correct rumor? Uh, yeah, well, I believe we're going to beach house for part of the time, and the rest of the time we will be staying at Alex Smith's wonderful fiance's family's house. Nice. Nice. For free very, very cool. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do uh, on this particular playground is do an, uh, kind of an introspective interview, and that's one of the things that I don't like uh so much like when when you go to the the coverage on the mothership and you see these top eight player profiles, it's so clinical. It's like very very impersonal. It's like okay, name Conley Woods. It was asked the most retarded question too. Like yeah, like what's your favorite deck? Uh, the one I'm playing. If your you genitalia know? was a magic card, which one would it be? And you're like, I don't it's know. just silly. Okay, so like, uh, let's kick it off. What? Uh, where are you from originally? North Dakota, right? No, no. <laughs> I was born in Dayton, Ohio. All right. Uh, then lived there for like a year or something like. On, you know, before I could remember anything. Your parents out there? Are you still relatives? Out, you got relatives out there? Um, I don't think actually I have any family out there. No. Okay. Then my family moved to Chicago. Uh, well, Chicago land area. They currently live in Gary, Indiana, which is a shithole. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's no, no better way to no, put it. Hey, I've lived in shitholes before. When I lived there, uh, three of the years I lived there, it was the murder capital of the world. It's uh, it's famed for where Michael Jackson was born. Um, but yeah, so I lived there for like 17-ish years. My dad got a promotion, moved us out here. Uh, I started up college out here. My yeah, so dad... My, you went to school at... Colorado State. Collins, yeah, Colorado State. Colorado State University. Then uh, my dad got demoted, got moved back out to Chicago during my beginning of my junior year, and my sophomore year, somewhere in there. Um, so they moved back out to live in the exact same house we moved from before because we never sold it. Okay. It's actually a pretty good house out there. It's like three acres. Like, compared to the rest of Gary, it's insane, but, you know, it's still the surrounding area. is not the greatest. Um, but yeah, so then, uh, so they still live out there. I go and visit them every once in a while whenever there's, like, something like, I would be at the Midwest Master Series if I had had a little more time to go out there because it's in Chicago right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, my family still lives out there. I'm out here by myself now. When you were in college, what did you, what did you end up studying for you? Uh, criminal psychology. Oh. And here you are. Magic player. Well, like, I, I just graduated four months ago, and, like, I'm looking, like, loosely looking for a job in the field, but at the same time, it's uh, it's kind of a very specific... What you're doing now seems like you're really enjoying what you're doing. Exactly. So, like, I'm just taking some time off. Like, I'm not going to throw away my level six. I hope to be higher than level... Like, last year, I had zero points up to this point. I have 11 right now, which is pretty good. Um... And, like, so, I, like, I didn't get my first... Well, I got... I had one... I take it back. I had one point in Chicago last year, and then I got 16 in Honolulu. So, uh, you know, if I can kind of continue that and get up to, like, level six or above, then, you know, I'll have this run for as long as I can. You know, writing's helping me out a lot. Well, speaking of Magic the Gathering, uh, what, what exactly... Uh, what specifically got you into playing Magic? Did you start off kind of casual, or... Do I have to tell the story to the worst? It, no, I, I want to. If it's the worst, now I man, you tell the story because I, it, did you start out casually or competitively? All right, I, I, I start off in middle school with the wonderful game Pokemon. Everybody, Beautiful. everybody played it back then. I love it. I love it so far. Uh, you know, I tried to get into playing, but most people were just neglecting and selling and stuff to the cards. Uh, everyone was stealing my cards whenever I bring to school, and you trade your five dollar lunch money for you know Alakazam or whatever. It was sweet. <laughs> then. uh... Eventually, that kind of game started to fade. I stopped playing or whatever. 
moved on to the much more awesome, and by awesome I mean horrible, game Yu-Gi-Oh! Which is, was a classic. I, I love that game too. So I played I that, like, uh, so I played some Yu-Gi-Oh! during, like, freshman and sophomore year of high school. Um, but I never actually played in, like, a card shop or whatever. It was kind of our friends and stuff. had, like, a little club that we got together. It was pretty nerdy. Um, and then moved out here, and within the first two months of living out here, it was during the summer, my best friend Tim came out to visit, and he was out for a month. Of course, brought his Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff out. And we're like, hey, we should go to a card shop for the first time. You know, looked up, trekked down, like, three miles, walked three miles to go to the nearest card shop. Went to go play some Yu-Gi-Oh! We, like, crushed for three weeks, won a bunch of stuff. But, you know, the whole time I was getting ragged on by, like, the one of the people working there and stuff. Like, hey, you should play Magic. You know, you're playing this little kitty game. And, like, the, the place was so packed that, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! players had to play on the floor. And everyone else put on the Magic players on the tables. So, I was like, I guess I want to play on the tables, too. And, yeah, so the <laughs> Mo, Mo convinced me to start playing Magic. And then, like, it was kind of crazy. Because, like, you st- if you look at my, like, DCI uh, history or whatever, uh-huh. like, I came in, like, second my first FNM. And then, like, first my next one. And then, like... Never like a top five, never anything below top five for like the first. So FNM was like the first. Was you remember the oh. first tournament you played in? Or? Yeah, I played Goblins. Like Goblins. This is on. I played. I started it in Mirrodin, so I borrowed a whole bunch of. Or I didn't borrow. My friends hooked me up for a whole bunch of cards. Hooked me up, I say in air quotes, because uh-huh. I like traded things like Bloodstain Mire that I didn't know was worth anything for uh, for like Goblin Kings and stuff. Cause yeah. I didn't. Uh, so anyway, I had this Goblin deck, and I just crushed, you know, clicks of theirs and provokers nice. and all that stuff. Um, I hate Goblins. My, 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 I didn't buddy know. Alex Smith, my buddy Alex Smith introduced me to Goblins the hard way. I, I can't stand that. Now, but it's good that you... you but I didn't know. So, yeah, so I, was, I played that for, like, uh, a while. I played nothing but FNMs for well over two years. Like, no, literally no 16K tournaments, no PDQs. I didn't even know about that kind of stuff. Played, uh... My first ever non-FNM tournament was a Grand Prix <laughs> in Dallas. Uh, we decided to randomly trek to, and that was in 2007, the beginning of 2007. Um, I went there, took 10th, and that kind of got me into competitive magic. I didn't play any more Grand Prix last year. I did play, I played, like, it's, two PTQs. It's kind of encouraging that, that you, you broke your teeth on, like, you know, the, the ground-level stuff. <laughs> the Friday Magic, magics, yeah. you know. And uh, the ground-level tournaments, and, and then worked your way into... I, I got my rating to over two, I had three buys for Dallas, based on nothing but FNMs. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Um... So, yeah, and then, uh, you know, I went to Nationals that year and went to Worlds that year, you know, got destroyed in both, got went to Worlds on rating. I actually played in, like, three or four PTQs after Dallas um, and, like, went 5-0 drop in two of them just to qualify for Worlds. Right, so, uh, like, you've got this degree and, and you've moved to Denver. How do you like Denver, by the way? I mean, uh, it's pretty good. You moved into Denver, yeah. like it so far? Yeah, I mean, it's just now starting to get summer, so it's getting a little bit better. But, uh, so, based on these, uh, these top finishes, is that what kind of made you decide to go pro and I mean you don't really decide to go pro like some circumstances kind of have to fall in your lap okay uh, I mean I just kept PTQing I only played about 10 PTQs ever um, and you know I have like three top 8s two five zero drops that would have been top 8s and then the rest of them were like top 24 I would say all of them um, and you know I kept going to Grand Prix day twoing like every Grand Prix I played money in most Grand Prix I think I got my first six Grand Prix I money did what was your breakthrough tournament? Like, what was the one that, like, put you into the... The official pro status? Yeah. Uh, well, I won a PTQ down in Albuquerque, playing Extended Get In, which was a deck I built, like, the night before and had no game to it. But I won beating Rain in the finals of all people, since we were talking about him. <laughs> uh, it was actually pretty sick. We had four people in our car, and three of us top-aided, and the only way any of us got knocked out of top-eight was losing to another person. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was John Dorsey, Rain, and myself. But yeah, so that, that got me to Honolulu. Wizards decided to actually fly me to Seattle, and then Honolulu, which is awesome for the Grand Prix. And then, you know, top four with Honolulu, and that kind of set everything up for me. How do you like it on the tour? I mean, is it is it kind of how you thought it would be, or... Is it completely different than what your expectations were? Um, it's a little more relaxed than I thought it would be. Like, it, like once you kind of know everybody, everybody's like friends and have a good time. Um, like, it's almost like kind of an us against the world mentality rather than like us all battling each other. It's not like I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of like the the line in Rounders where you know if you don't see piranhas, you become themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then like if you you know you play each other, you may have a good match or whatever. But at the same time, you're friends afterwards and. Uh, you know, it's not just the pro tour, it's not the actual tournaments, everything surrounding it, like the dinners afterwards, the credit card games, the, you know, drinking in the bars and doing side drafts, and, you know, going out to clubs and stuff, it's that kind of stuff that's amazing. I would say that I, I, I've always lost to the credit card game, which I have, just pretty much always lost it, except for one time, and it was like the smallest credit card bill I ever I ended up with. So. 
Yeah, I wanted. Uh, we went to Fogo de Chao afterwards. And so you guys have a, now a playoff bracket, right? You you, how did you you say you met them in the finals, or do you guys just like eliminate other credit cards? Like, how does your credit card? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't know. We this is the only way. You to said play the card. this is the only the way to play the credit card game. The only way. Explain, explain to me the final next level. Next level credit card game is what it's called. You take everybody's credit cards. Okay. Everybody that wants to opt out opts out. They pay cash for. They have to. Pay, they're required to pay cash for their meal. Okay. So let's say there's ten people. Everybody's dinner's fifty dollars. Let's say. Okay. Two people opt out. They throw in their fifty dollars in the pot. Then you have the remaining eight people. And you take their credit cards, shuffle them up, hidden. People start picking a number, basically, to determine credit cards one by one. Every time a number's picked, that credit card is safe. Okay. So you get down to the final two. And at that point, the you can either, you can as long as you specify, you can pick the card that's either going to have to pay the whole thing, or the card's going to come in second place, as long as you specify. It doesn't matter which. Sometimes, usually you pick the card that's going to lose, which means they're going to have to pay everything. The second place guy gets all the money from the people that bought out. So they would get $100 in this case. Okay. Then the first place guy pays for all ten people, regardless of the fact that two people bought out. So then they would have five hundred dollars plus tip bill. So like, it's pretty sweet. Uh, here's the, the thing: though, way like, the way I the way I played it is completely different. Because you you're, you're I, they they all like throw in their credit card and they basically have the waitress pick credit cards. You can have the waitress. This is the one. You can have the waitress. This is the guy who pays for the whole. No, 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 no. That's the lame though because there's no intensity buildup. There's no like intensity buildup. There's no on the edge of your seat the whole time. Like are you this way, this way, people are getting eliminated. They're jo- jumping for joy. Plus, it lasts like five minutes this way. No, but I'm saying like this way you have like you know people are cheering as people get knocked out and like the people that are still in it you're know, getting anxious and stuff. The other way it's just like you know. Boom, pow, here's the orgasm, and there's no foreplay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll have to try it next time, you know. I'll have to try it next time that way. So, like, uh, as far as the tour goes, that you're, you're liking the tour, how long do you see yourself keep doing this? As long as, as, long as it, but as long, yeah, <laughs> as long as it'll let me, and it, it's self-supporting right now, plus stuff like a pain. Well, the writing helps a bunch. Like, I make a ton of money off writing. Nice. But, like, uh, yeah. And I will say this. Like, he's one of the best magic writers, I think, on the planet today, I mean. I, you, you keep me captivated like every time I, I read a, uh, one of your articles and that's no joke because most writers most magic writers they lose like I'll just be lost yeah just, occasionally I write a sloucher as everybody does. I don't know when you write two articles a week sometimes like the content is good but the like the writing style sometimes well there's only so much bit. you can write about like I know like, but two, like twice a week it's just yeah yeah hard. but I'll uh, I, I need to, I've been kind of self-analyzing myself lately and need to get a little more captivating so I'm going to work on it well Speaking of captivating, I want to talk a little bit about your, your deck building method, which you're known throughout the magic community as having a very unorthodox method of deck building. Just walk us through your process and how you go about brewing up these seemingly left field decks. And in, like in terms of rogue, rogue deck building, and I run across a lot of players who love playing their own groups. Uh, but they do so without really thinking about how their deck stands up against the anticipated many. Uh, it's like they... You know, it's like they don't really care. They just go. You know, I, I don't think that that's what you do. I, I think that uh, from what you've said that you you build uh, a deck based upon the, the metagame that you're going to be at the tournament that you're going to be playing. Well, yeah, I think that's really the only way to go rogue. Like, the the best decks in a vacuum are usually fleshed out, like, already in a metagame. Like, Jund is the best deck in a vacuum, like, okay. regardless. Like, so there's no way to really go, okay, I'm going to build just eight all-around better deck than Jund. It's almost physically right. impossible. Like, Jun's been around for a year. You know, so many different ways to explore. Like, when new cards come out, of course, some of that can change. But you're not just going to magically stumble upon this combination of cards that's just strictly better than Jun. So, instead of, you know, looking for, you know, the forbidden fruit, so to speak, you need to, like, use your knowledge of the metagame to build a deck that's geared towards beating specific decks. Therefore, it's better in that metagame. But you take it out in a vacuum, of course, and, like, Jun's still technically better. Like, might have better matchups across random decks and things like that, but you can't really account for that. You just have to, like, approach, you know, each metagame as its own specific, you know, entity and, you know, attack it rather than try to attack magic as a whole. Now, I, uh, I can see how that might be a little bit frustrating for net deckers where, you know, they, they see a net deck, or they see a deck that you, say, for example, you did really, really well with, and then they turn around and go to their Friday Night Magic you probably haven't played tested the whole thing at all. And you're just like, oh, well, this deck sucks. I don't know how we won the block. Yeah, know? like, I use the example of Lotus Cobra Worlds. Like, okay. whenever I play Lotus Cobra, it either died to a bolt or it lived. Okay. Period. On turn three, if my opponent had a choice between sprouting through an axe and Maelstrom Pulse, it's always sprouting through an axe. Right. 
And then I would, you know, because they'd be like, oh, I'll just mail from both the Baneslayer Angel he plays or the, you know, Mile Gear Blood Witch or whatever. And then instead of that, they would get Violent Ultimatum and lose the game and then be very sad. And for game two, of course, now they're like, you know, they're, you know, playing Siege Gang Commanders and sacrificing it to kill the lowest. They're doing everything they can to go lowest cover at that point because they know there's bad things going to happen. But I would just get a free game when I'll respect my opponents to not respect lowest cover. Of course, afterwards, you know, people were trying to play in the deck and they were getting blown out because everybody killed Lotus Cobra because they knew about the deck now. Like, you let Lotus Cobra live, you lose, you kill it, you have a much higher chance of winning. Which, you know, it's almost like the Bob conundrum. Like, people, right. when Bob first started seeing play, like, people were like, oh, well, I'll let him lose some life. I'm playing Mono Red, why do I care? Like, and then they, you know, would draw three cards and lose the game because of it. And, you know, like, once a card is a known quantity and people know how to address that card, it becomes significantly weaker unless the card is so inherently powerful like a Bane Fair Angel or a Blood Rail that it doesn't matter if people know how to play around the card because the card adds so much value anyway. Lotus Cobra adds a ton of value when it's doing things you're not knowing what it's doing. Like, if you can assess exactly what the Lotus Cobra is intended to do, you can play around it, you can beat the Lotus Cobra, whatever. So, um, you know, and it's just, you know, a whole bunch of different things like that. Like, people in Houston, for example, they weren't, you know, expecting ninjas, like, ever. Like, right. I, would, I would attack my Bob, uh, I'd be at a little life, attack my Bob, and there's something, and they wouldn't block, because they're like, oh, Bob will kill them. And then I would ninja it back, and they'd be like, oh, uh, Bob's no longer in place. It's, it's actually funny you say that, because I played a, a deck kind of, uh, it wasn't anything similar to your deck, but it, I, I played the, last night, uh, uh, Friday Night Magic, where I played a blue-white tokens deck, ramped up and looked a little bit like uh, the blue-white tap-out control, but I was running uh, Conqueror's Pledge and Martial Tunes and all that kind of stuff, uh, Elspeth. I was basically just making a bunch of tokens with Honor of the Pures, and people thought, well, you know, that's just a, a basic tokens deck, but maybe it's got blue in there for whatever. But I, I had Jason. But I had, uh, I splashed blue for Polymorph, which on turn four, I, I had a, a Polymorph Iona in play, and they're just like, well, where the hell did that come from? You know, it's it's one of those surprises where they didn't really, they they, it, they have an expectation in their mind of, of how a game's going to go, and you essentially disappoint yeah, and occasionally, like, you know, you'll build this deck geared towards a metagame, and it'll end up being just a flat-out good deck, period. Like, But it uh, might not be a good deck tomorrow. No, no, but sometimes it is. Like, for instance, at Nationals, I built the, the Jun Mannequin-style deck with Moldrifters and stuff, right. and, like, that's all a ton of success after it came out, because, like, it was pretty difficult to play around. Like, you can't really, unless you're going to add Graveyard to your deck or something stupid, you can't really play around people casting Moldrifters and Bloodbraid Um So, like, that deck just ended up being just a, a good deck, and, like, I think that you know, a couple of my other decks have been like that, just a good, like, I think the Bant, uh, Bantwagon deck from uh, Oakland, like, it hasn't seen as much success as it has because people aren't willing to kind of tweak some cards, but, you know, if they tweak the cards, like, I think the whole concept there is really solid, and it's really, like, even, like, uh, Wesco played, uh, like, a Bant Thopter deck. I saw that. And that, saw that was, you know, very similar to my deck, which is the Thopter combo in there, and, uh, you know, and, like, when you start to kind of, like, tweak some things and, you know, take the deck and make it its own, like, you can have these decks that last for a long time and they're really good. But then, you know, you have the one-hit wonders that are, you know, they're just... Like, I designed for a tournament. There's no reason to design for a PTC for me anymore. So. Now, you say that you, you design for the tournament. It's not it's not as if everyone is coming up to, to you and, and just kind of telling you what they're playing. How do you go about determining, like, the metagame of a tournament that you plan on It's all data analysis, like, reading things online, uh, like, I mean, how following much, trends. How much impact does... Uh, I guess, like, recent top eights really play, like, those deck lists. Uh, how does that... How I much mean, does that impact in formulating your game plan? That'll give you, team? that'll give you like, the rough edges of the format. Like, for instance, that'll tell me whether Dredge is going to see play. Or... Okay. But, like, it's not going to tell me, like, the best deck of the tournament. Like, well, I knew Thopter. Obviously, Thopter deck seemed to be the most played deck. That's just pretty simple. You walk, you follow the metagames. It's winning tournament after tournament. Well, say, say for example, like, uh, you, you have a, a, a tournament where Thopter Depths and Zoo, they, those guys, those decks have a, a, a decent showing. But then the week before a Grand Prix that you're going to play in, Dredge takes number one at, at a, a 5K or something. Does that factor into, like, what you might want to prepare for? Yeah, like, you might want to be putting more Dredge hate in your board, or you might want to anticipate other people putting Dredge hate in your board. So if you have three buys, maybe you just skip on it all together because other people are going to take care of it for you. Like, it's kind of a cat-and-mouse game. Like, you have to, you know, just kind of read what other people are doing um, articles are a big deal. Like, when anybody posts some kind of crazy deck and it gets, like, a lot of feedback that had ended up yet at CFTC play, like, you might want to anticipate that a little bit more. Um, and I think one of the bigger things is just finding very versatile cards, like, in your sideboard, just in case you run up against decks you weren't expecting. Like, you know, rather than playing uh, Sadistic Sacrament, for instance, you might want to play something like Cranial Extraction, which is it has some use against Doctor Foundry, Scapeshift, 
hypergenesis, like all these decks where it's sadistic segments a little more narrow in its approach because it can't take things out of the hand and you know. So I mean, like just finding more versatile cards for the job you know, helps a lot. All right, so I want to move away just a little bit from magic uh, and just ask you some some out there questions. Like, what what do you like doing outside? What what does Conley Woods enjoy besides tapping the? <laughs> do you like tap? You, you you tap the mirror and sniff the the, the white cookie. Uh no no you don't do it no so. just meth just meth yeah so you so you got a meth lab at home that's what you enjoy two of them what I uh, I can tell yeah I was told last night I just started a diet and I was told I should just do meth for about six months and I'll do, go down to 135 pounds <laughs> uh, no, but seriously like what what do you what do you like doing outside of meth uh pretty big in music like piano I like okay. a lot well, uh, I've keyboard. been told that you like you you do stand up comedy, like you're just kind of an amateur type of thing. You tell me, uh, I did it semi professionally, like opened for some pretty big acts, um, and had a contract set up in L.A. through Comedy Central. Um, nice. That I ended up, t- it was kind of like a contest, almost almost like a reality show that wasn't televised, and it was like a weekend of just like you know do these skits and stuff. And I ended up taking second, which was. A bummer because it's a two hundred twenty five thousand dollars contract. Ooh, yeah. wow! And like the only way I would get it at that point is if the guy got couldn't fulfill his contract for some reason. So like we debated assassinating him, but yeah, that would have been yeah, it probably would have. But uh, yeah, so I, you know, stand comedy is cool. Um, I haven't really done this since I've been in big into magic. Like, it doesn't pay quite as well consistently. Um, you don't necessarily have a gig, but like maybe once a month or something. It seems like the uh, there's just as uh, there's. There's pressure in that that field too. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. probably a different type of pressure than going to a grand prix. Kind of like it's not competitive pressure, but it's still like you know, you still want to do everyone's well. eyes are on you. Yeah, um, I like well, everyone's eyes are on you too. I mean, like you you get these deck these uh, what, are, what are they called those deck profiles or whatever the deck techs deck techs. Yeah, I mean when you're I mean there are thousands of magic players that go to the ma- the, the mothership and they're like, hey, there's Conley. What's he playing this time? I mean, Still, that's some pressure. Yeah, but like, I don't know. This comes like almost second nature to me at this point. Like, I've been built like pretty much my entire career. All I've ever done is build crazy decks. Like, it's not like I just started when I turned pro. Like, my first Grand Prix in Dallas, my top eight or my near virtual top eight. Like, I played Trash for Treasure, Cloud Post, Wildfire deck. Like, it was sweet. But uh, you know, when you when you just get, when you do something so often, you get used to it. You, you know, fall into a habit, and you know you don't have to worry about it too much. All right, so uh, top five shag list. You could, I, I gotta, you we're, we're gonna cross out many. This is how's that? This no, many more in the top five. How's you this can't cross transition? it out. You have to, well, you have to cross out many more. I'm, no, I'm counting it. Okay, so top four because obviously she's is she number one? No, she's not number one. She was. There's, there's I don't have a guaranteed number one. And Mandy Moore is locked in. Have you seen five? some pictures of Mandy Moore? Man. You haven't either. I'm gonna pull up pictures right I, now. Like I can't. I still can't. I, I can't wrap my, my brain around it. You Maybe picked some douchebag yeah. chick what, from it? Weeds. No, it seems like she's got, like, bee stings on her, on her girl face next in different door. places. Girl next door. Girl next door. All right, we'll move away from Mandy more because, obviously, you know, you've got to be able to split this. So, All right, I got people got like... More? Is she number one? No. Or is she number three? I don't have, like, a number one. I just have a top ten list. I don't order them. But how often does this top ten list fluctuate? Once a year, maybe. Once a year, okay, like, so, one or two people. So, give me your, your top five, then. So, so I don't really know. Might not, she just, might not be a part of this top five. All right. Well, I got people. I'll just write, list off a bunch of people. I got people like well, I assume we're going with celebrities here, so people know. Well, what it, can about. it can be anybody. Yeah, athletes. Eva Mendez is up there. Eva Mendez. Like Sophia Bush. Who's she? I don't know. Who Sophia Bush is. Huh. You are not a male. <laughs> I don't know who Sophia Bush is. I might. If you show me a picture of her, I'd be like, yeah. You have internet on here? No, I don't have internet on here. You lame ass. All right, I'll show you. A so picture Sophia later. Bush is in your top. In your top five, top ten for sure. This is kind of a loose, yeah. Uh, right, so you got two more. Um, uh, like Jessica Alba is my old standby, but I was a fan of Jessica Alba before she got famous. Like I have Dark Angel season one of DVD, which is kind of lame, but still there. Even Good though she, even though she has a kid, you. even though she has a kid, I'm still into it. All right, uh, so you got one more. Uh, and this, 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 make this, this one, make this one, the one that you would love to just spend a weekend in a locked bedroom with. And you need at least. A- I don't know. All I can do is list off other people. Like, but then all, my other my other people are kind of cliche. Like, I got Beyonce up there. I'm a I'm a butt guy. You're a butt guy. I'm a butt guy. Huge butt guy. 
No boobs. I see. I mean, huge boobs. I like. I didn't say. You don't like the boobs. No, I didn't say that. All right. So you like. I like. I like the boobs. No, I did not say that. Okay. I'm just saying. Just. I define myself as more of a butt guy. Well, face is number one, no matter what. But then when you get down to things, I'm a butt guy. Like, you know, BC is my range of boobs. I don't like huge boobs. They scare me. And you're telling me I'm not a man. B and C, that's natural. I don't like the I big, need, fake I need moves. triple X's. Those I are need, like, the, I need the... I love me some fakesies. I'm just going to put that <laughs> it's, it's It's necessary. All right, so if there's one locale that you hope to visit uh, in the future, what, Pro Tour, Grand Prix, fill in the blanks, what would it be? Uh, Greece Anywhere or the, Ireland? Like a like maybe a Grand Prix Dublin or a Pro Tour Dublin or something like that? Or? Yeah, or Greece. Wow. All right. And then I also want to hit up Australia, but I don't want to go there for a Grand Prix because it's way too expensive. It'd be yeah, cool like to have a how, how much is Australia ticket? Like fifteen hundred or something stupid. And it, doesn't it take you like five days to get there at a plane? Yeah, and you have to like you have to like jump. You need at least a month. To there's like, like a space time continuum. Like there's like teleporters and stuff. You actually like if if you don't have bring a razor with you into the bathrooms, you just grow massive crazy bush. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's take a uh, let's take a an email. This is uh, from Hoopstream2010. He writes, "Hi Conley, thank you for taking my question. I understand that you're a big basketball fan. Would you please take the time to express to everyone why it is that Kobe Bryant bags the team? Sincerely and with warm regards, Hoopstreams." Oh, this hoop stream sounds like sounds like a uh, Nicholas Bonham. Dude, you're you're paranoid. You're you're, you're paranoid. Did, are you going to start saying like that? You know, the squirrels are after me now. Or like, Kobe Bryant does not bag the T. In fact, he is insane, and he will be winning a championship this year. He's sitting out the last like eight games of the season. The kind yeah, of I heard he has like a, a pinky injury or something like wrong with his like little It's little his knee, finger. actually. He's been playing something. Oh, really? Because I believe when Carmelo have, like, had like a strange toe, he sat out, but Kobe's played with a broken hand. To be fair, to be fair, you haven't, you haven't answered. I mean, and, and he was, he was on, I mean, he was really, really, uh, he had manners here. I mean, thank you for taking my question. You know, would you please take the time to express why it is that Kobe Bryant bags a tee. I mean, the last... I mean, but he and he says sincerely and with warm regards, hoop dreams. I mean, at the very least you can do is answer his question. Who refers why, to himself by their email? By their email name? Maybe Nobody he wants does. to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I yeah, mean, maybe his name I is... I gotta protect my Bonham. listeners. I gotta protect my listeners. All I'm saying is Kobe Bryant does not bag the tee, in fact. We lost to Denver by two points, I believe, without Bynum or Bryant in the lineup. How do you possibly expect to win it in a playoff series against us? But wasn't... Actually, I think it was like we only had we only had our full team for two of those. We're one and one with full team. Actually, I think the last five times that the Lakers and Nuggets won, the Nuggets won four out of the five. So I, I don't wait, know. Wait, I'm just wait. wait. I'm just what happened in the playoffs there. last year? I'm just throwing it out what there. I can't remember. I can't. You remember? Uh, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. Do you remember us saying. beating you I, with four games? I don't look in the past. I, I only look at what what's what's All right. Well, in in, there, in so. about a month when we play you in the playoffs and we crush you because you have a crappy team minus Chauncey Billups. You have. You have J.R. jacking up. I, I don't have anything. I don't own a, a basketball team. I, hey, I'm not a basketball team owner. All I'm saying is... I do like the Nuggets, though. Your team is... And, uh, and I, I do uh, I, I do appreciate uh, you writing in, Hoopstreams. Thank you very much for uh, your email. Thanks, Streams. Alright, before we move on to the, uh, the hot sauce, which is the Rise of Eldrazi spoiler... I want to do a quick community calendar. Rise of the Eldrazi pre-release is taking place this Saturday, April 17th through the 18th. For those here in Denver, uh, the big pre-release event is taking place at the Embassy Suites in Southeast Denver, right around uh, Hampton and Tamarack Drive. Uh, For directions and more info on how to get there, visit www.frontrangemagic.com. Sign-ups will be getting started right around 8 a.m. in the morning. There will be several guests in attendance. Artist Todd Lockwood... Uh, will be there. Uh, he did uh, Path to Exile and Meddling Mage. And you know what? People like he, he bitch did. about the, the Meddling Mage. Oh, you know, he, he did the new Meddling Mage. You know, he ruined the old one. It's like, how did he ruin the old one? It's just an invitational thing. Like, you can't blame Todd for that. You have to blame yeah, Wizards. Exactly. And I honestly like the picture of the new Meddling Mage. I think it's, it's fine. It's because you're into the blackies. Yeah, so, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, there will be two gunslingers present. Level 5 judge and EDH rules committee member Toby Elliott will be in attendance. Uh, I guess there's only four level 5 judges in the world. Uh, this man has the power to give you a game loss just by looking at him, which is nice. And of course, we have our local pro and savior, Conley Woods, will be slinging the guns. And uh, be sure and swing on by and uh, slap him in the head and say that, was from, that one was from the gym. If you slap me in the head, I might sue you. Or stab, or you might stab somebody. No, because then they can sue me. Oh, okay. I just want to get to money. Right on. I'm trying to go to Amsterdam here. All right, so I'm going to kind of turn this uh, a little over to uh, Conley. Uh, we're going to go over the Rise of the Eldrazi spoiler. Right now, it's sitting at 168 out of how many cards? What, 248? 248. So it's actually the perfect number because when you when we see the full spoiler, there'll be some still some surprises. So this is a big spoiler alert. Uh, if you don't want to know any of the, the new cards, then you're an idiot. Then you're a big, you're a big douchebag. So, <laughs> uh, so Conley, we'll we'll start off with the, uh, the. I mean, what cards do you want to talk about? Like, what what cards really stick out? We'll just go down the list. We're not going to talk about all the the cards, but there's going to be some cards that uh, will pique our interest and we'll talk about. So we won't talk about all the cards, but can we talk about all is dust? We can talk about all is dust. Okay, then you like that segue? I do like that. It's very very nice. Uh, no, this card's good. How, <laughs> well, how, how, how do you see this playing into uh, in the current standard form? Do you think it's going to see play? I, mean, uh, I think it'll be a two of ish. Like you can't right. run it as your only mass removal because, well, unless you have a ton of power removal, it's cost seven. You're going to run it without the Eldrazi temples and all that shenanigans, so it'll actually cost about five. Okay, uh, and it's good. It kills planeswalkers. It does not kill equipment, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of sucks that if you, your opponent gets to keep their... Well, I mean, it kills Behemoth Sludge, I guess that's okay. But it doesn't kill their, like, trusty machete, Bastos Collars, and all that jazz. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll pretty much see play in the, like, blue-white style control decks. They'll just run some old Drowsy Templars, because they have good man anyway. And they're running, uh, Everflowing Chalice, and they'll kill some Planeswalkers and some guys. They, you know, kill Sphinx of Dryal, which is pretty big. What do you think of the, the, the Eldrazi's in general? I mean, this is a, a, a I love loaded me. I, mean, I love loaded. some Eldrazi's. Okay. Me and uh, Ember Cool are having a child together. Nice. Yeah. What are you going to name it? Well, I don't know, but it'll be an 1818. <laughs> That's all I know. We don't know what the uh-huh. name It'll probably be, we'll call it like, uh, like Massacool the Tempers Risen. <laughs> That's a good name. It it's is. The, I love it. It's the top oh. of the dome. So, from a limited perspective, uh, from a pre-release player's point of view, I mean, you, you're, you're sitting down. You've got six. You got six packs of rides. Looking at this, this, this spoiler, you open up. You see maybe eleven, you know, or a ten can or something. You you can find a way to play that card, or it's like how how would I'm you? Suggest pretty sure you're gonna be like if you look at the whole spoiler, like the whole set's designed to gear you to cast these guys. So, okay. um, to just write them off because they're expensive is a bad move, and you're stuck in the past limited format, which is not good. Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to be casting some of these guys. So you, so you would recommend, from a pre-release player's perspective, you obviously have to have the deck. Like if you have like, it looks like black, green, and red have the spawn tokens. Okay. So like if you're like quick, like blue white aggro, which is actually a deck. There's a lot of like blue white flyers. And there's you know, student of war, which is rare. And there's like two ones for two that gain full life and all kinds of stuff like that. Like if you have that deck, you obviously don't want to be messing with, uh, you know, fifty fifty. But if you have like walls and man acceleration, like why not? So it looks like, I mean, Annihilator just seems insane. Like, the, this mechanic for, for Eldrazi just seems insane to me. Which ones, which of these Eldrazi, like, sticks out? Besides the 15 But he's the best. I'll be cast, I'll be hard casting that guy. Well, I, I mean, I like Kozilek just because he's a little bit cheaper. But yeah, I mean, but he just dies to everything. Like, literally yeah. everything. Even. But, uh, I mean, it's cool that he draws you cards. He is cheaper. I like him way better than the, uh, the, what's that other guy? The, uh, Ulamog, the Infinite gear, if we're going to say. We know what G-Y-R is. Gyre. Gyre. The Infinite Gyre or something. The like Infinite that. G. How about that? He is a pimp. Boomog, the Infinite G. Uh, I don't like him at all. I actually think he's poop. Summon creature Eldrazi pimp. Oh. Yeah. Like, 10-10 for 11. Like, he's worse than Darkstone Colossus there. Uh, Nyla of Ford's good, obviously. He has no real way to protect himself from Path to Exile, which is the big thing. Like, Indestructible is cool, but... Um, like, I think he's by far the worst of the three mythic ones. But I do, you know what card I love? Which one? I love Spawn Sire of Ulamog. I think that guy should be a mythic. Really? He's insane. 20 mana? 
You can do 20 mana on turn two, right? It costs He's 10. the best card it, that has ever been printed in Magic. All I'm saying is, that, that <laughs> last ability is sweet. 20 mana, cast any number of Eldrazi from you own from, from outside from the game. Yeah. That you, that you own. Unfortunately, you can't get your exiled ones because those are not oh, Okay, outside. so you think that that's sweet. How do you propose to get 20 mana? I'm not saying it's a good card. I just think it's a sweet card. Oh, okay. Alright. <laughs> so so you actually think that there are cards out there that are good cards that aren't sweet? Um, there are a ton of good cards that aren't sweet, and they see play in very niche situations, and I like to exploit those niche situations. Very good. That works for me. So not I've, I've been reading a little bit on Not of This World. That seems like kind of a... A lot of people aren't liking that card. No, it's pretty bad, but it, like, it could see play in like the combo. But, like, I mean, if you're going to polymorph out something, like the fact that it's free, people are like, oh, Hindering Light's better. Well, of course Hindering Light's better, but Hindering sure. Light also costs two colors, mana, and two mana. Right. Like, this is free if you want to save your guy, so. Alright, so move, moving on. What, uh, what, other, what other fun cards did you like? Are we moving out of Eldrazi, or are we going Yeah, we're white? moving out of Eldrazi. We're going into white? We got, uh, I noted that Parma's Assault's a really bad safe passage, but it was still season play, I guess. Uh, I guess it saved your Planeswalker, so it's not strictly worse than this. Okay. Uh, Near-death experience, I expect to be breaking that card uh, eventually. You're going to try and break it in half. Drop uh, it on the floor. And I'm going to break it in 1920s. <laughs> nice. Now, what, uh, what, what, how do you plan on uh, I can't give away my secrets. you got to give away something. you got to, like... Th- Alright, here's the secret. Throw bone. Here's throw the secret. Bone. I will reduce my life total to one and then win the game. <laughs> That's all you're getting out of me, Okay. Alright, alright, fine, fine, fine. Uh, I'm excited about Soul Follower, as I mentioned in the podcast, because I'm excited they're finally printing Soul Warden with a May effect. Because I hate those damn must gain life effects or whatever, must anything effects, because when your opponent is required to remind you of your stupid triggers, you should go kill yourself. Now, why, uh, now you, you were telling me that, there, that you had to actually remind your opponents. Yeah, Grand Prix Boston, M10 sealed. I reminded my opponent of his Soul Warden trigger three times. On the fourth time, I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm not reminded of this douchebag anymore. Like, I'm not going to play his game for him. Judge walks by, notices that I do not remind him, and gives me a warning for a failure of my tank gauge date. I'm like, are you kidding me? How, right did, that, how did that warning feel? How did that express me? How, how did that feel? Uh, I wanted to recircumcise the judge. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Alright, so moving along, uh, we're still on white. Student of Warfare is insane. That's the... Three. I will not be playing that card, but it's insane. That's a 3-3 three, three for a first striker. I mean, what does that go into? I mean, it seems like White Weenie just has better, cheaper creatures. No, it doesn't. A turn 2, 3-3 three, three first striker? Turn 2, 3-3 three, three first striker? Yeah. Am I just reading this wrong? It's a White for 1-1. One, one. Okay. Levels up for White. At level 2, it becomes a 3-3 three, three first striker. So you pay it on turn 1 for White. Turn 2, you pay White White. Oh, I misread that completely. That is actually really yeah, plus Ranger Reveal especially did. Yeah. Plus in the late true. game, he's got a 4-4 double striker, which is pretty insane. It's, and it's this really, really, really insane creature that you're not going to be playing with. Why? Because I don't play that kind of junk. It's like, really, really good and it's insane, but it's junk. I, no, I don't. I play combo-ish control cards. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Wall of Omens is a card I will be playing. Cause it's uh, I love this card. This is probably one of my favorite cards that uh, has I, gotten spoiled. I have a chubby right now for it. Yep. yep me too. Me too. There's not much to say about it. Pretty much everybody loves the card. Alex Smith might not like the card, but I do. Actually, um, you would love the card in Rebel Arc. Yeah, Rebel Arc seems, re- <laughs> seems pretty nuts. Um, Alright, so moving on to, to Blue. We got a... Uh, poop, 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 poop. I'm not seeing any counterspells. There's a couple. Not reprinted, no. There's actually one I'll, I'll talk about later. I like Seagate Oracle a lot because I loved Quartus R when it was legal. Okay. As I was talking about, you yeah. get to see one less card, but it's mono blue and you never sacrifice him. It's pretty good. It's a common, too. Um, the Sorokar Spellblade, I think, is going to be pretty good in the vintage. It doesn't have any evasion, but, like, you play him in the same slot, you play blah, blah, and other things. Like, you have a 2-1 for 3, and then you, like, attack, and they go, okay, no blocks, and you're like, okay, cast Brainstorm, you know, some other random card, some other random card, draw three cards. Like, it's pretty insane. Like, the fact that you just like, charge counter stay on him, and he's a 2-1, so he's a pretty decent clock. Like, you can't play him against creature decks, because he's not very good there. But even, like, even like attack, repeal your guy, brainstorm, draw two cards is pretty pretty nuts. Right, right. Um, unified will I like a lot in fish decks. That's a good counterspell. Because, you know, you counterspell if you control more creatures than that spell's controller. So, like, that'll probably see some legacy play or something like that. Like, in more folk. Um, That's cool. 
Invernerated Teacher. I think that car might make level up pretty nuts. I don't know. Well, speaking of level up, I've, I've never been a big fan of what I I consider creatures that are on loan, like Echo Creatures, um, Cumulative Upkeeper. Basically, in essence, like you, you talk about one of your favorite creatures uh, was uh, Quasali Prime. One white, a green, two two, exalted. You sacrifice it to to kill artifact enchantment. It's an all in one creature. You're basically getting everything that you wanted uh, in, in that creature. It's just a, a pack. You don't have to pay for it over time. You don't have to like. It feels like you're. You know, I don't like the the whole concept of you know something that's on loan. And in, in essence, I kind of feel that level up is the, is the same way. It's like okay, I'm going to put out this creature that I'm going to eventually have to uh, dedicate a lot of resources to just to get. Hopefully, what I want, and hope, and hope that my opponent doesn't do anything about it. No, oh, I agree. It's not nearly as good as it should be. Like I think it should be instant speed level up, or everybody should have their levels reduced by about one. Like yeah. the, the the metrics. Um, like I'm not a huge fan of the mechanic, but like it's, it is what it is, and we're going to play with it. So, well, and and to be fair, I mean, we really can't judge it too it's much unless sweet, we until we test. It's a pretty sweet limited form, limited mechanic. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. The only thing about it is that it just seems like. It makes my decisions a little bit more difficult, but it makes my makes decisions for my opponent a lot easier. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, favors the opponent. Like, you know, they save their smother until you spend fifty mana. Like, it's almost like an aura. Like, yeah, you almost it's almost the exact same thing as an aura. Like, I, don't know. I think it should be instant speed, but you know, whatever. But that's so. In essence, we're we're it is what it is. We, we're not exactly a fan of level up, but. There's a lot of mechanics I'm not a fan of, but like, you know. Rebound, however, is not is not one. No, I like rebound. I Cons- like rebound. Consuming a lot. vapors. Uh, I love that card. I'm kind of bummed it's a rare. Like all the good cards on the set are like rares and mythics. There's but, like eight playable mythics. Like pretty insane. But consuming vapors is something you would play with. Though, for sure. uh, I will be playing with it. Not would be. Like you guarantee by it, the end of its reign, I will have played it. In multiple so it's locked in. That's locked that's in. getting played. Locked in. I like stuff for the past. Okay. Uh, you know, it's effectively a drain life that goes to the player, but you can remove cards in my graveyard in the process, or you have to remove cards in my graveyard, I guess, in the process. So I think that card's pretty sweet. Well, that could be a really good uh, card in, in Limited, too. I mean, just, you know, you get them down to seven or whatever. It's like they have some sort of a graveyard. Yeah. I mean, there's no thing, there's nothing really that triggers off the graveyard besides, like, some mythics like Vengevine, but, you know, it's still pretty good. Now, see, they brought back Vendetta. Yeah, it's not going to be good. It's going to suck. It's not going to be good in this All the stuff you want to kill, like, like, sure, you kill Bloodbraid Elf and you take two, but, like, Bloodbraid Elf's not even that exciting. You kill, like, the things you want to be killing are, like, four toughness stuff. Bigger. It's just not not good times. Um, it's okay in response to the level up. Because, like, oh, your 1-1 one, is going to become a 3-3. Three, three, I'll kill it first and take one. But, like, there's other cards that are just as good. And, like, it might see block play, but even then, probably not too much. It's definitely, I mean, I think you definitely play it in limited. Like, I mean, if you're in No, no, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. That card's the same thing, so let's, uh, I think we're just uh, we're, we're going through it into red now. Yeah, we're in the red. Fork bolt's pretty cool. It's a shock that splits up for sorcery. Like it's pretty sweet effect. It's kind of surprised it hasn't been done already. I like devastating summons. I don't know what it'll be used for, but like getting a couple of big XX rail elemental guys to play. By the way, we're not reading all these cards. Like, just go to MTG Salvation. We'll look at the cards while we go through this because it's kind of a pain. It adds like 50 minutes on the podcast when you read whatever each card does. Just with really good point. I'm, just, I'm serious. I think uh, Cargan Dragon Lord is overrated like a mofo. I think it's going to be crap. People are going to spend thirty dollars on this card, and it's going to be worth ten. Uh, Do you think it's really even going to be worth ten, though? I it's mean, a mythic. It'll be worth ten. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, like even the worst mythics are worth like five. Uh, like Mono Red is not that good of a deck. Uh, that's the only thing this guy can be played in. He requires way too much red mana to like see play in two player decks. Like maybe like. Mono red splash black for like lightning or something. Again, like that. it's like it, this. This guy might be ideal for, uh, but it's very situational. It's like you want to you want to see this guy really late when your opponent's exhausted all their resources and all their their. But then you might as well just cast some other giant. Exactly, player. exactly. That's why I'm just not a big like, fan of level. Like if Graven Cairn, if the filter lane cycle was around, this guy would be better. Yeah. Because um, then you wouldn't have a bunch of dead man. You could play multiple color deck. But I think as oh. is the fact that it's sorcery speed, um, the fact that you know you spend. You play him on turn three, let's say, and then on turn four, you're like, all right, I'm going for the 4 4 flying guy. You time walk yourself for two straight turns and then get bolted or like path or anything. Like, you're happy to path this guy. Yeah. Like, the removal is just too good. He dies to smother at all times. Yeah. Which is a big true. thing. Um, like, 
I don't know, like Student Warfare is insane because on turn two he's attacking as a three three four striker, and then the rest of it's just completely gravy. This guy doesn't level up in. You can't go turn two him, turn three he's a four four flyer because he goes four mana to level up to the next mana. Moving, so like he's just really awkward. Moving back really quickly to black, there was one card I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned smother. There's a universal smother. Uh, it's consumed the meat. Yeah, I think the card's okay. It's instant five mana. Um, kills like, kills Kargan Dragonborn. Yeah, like, you just see play, sideboard play, maybe, like, one of in some decks, but, like, uh, you're still going to play other Wrath effects above it. Like, you're going to play even, like, things like Volcanic Fallout will probably see more playable than that. Um, and it doesn't see any play right now, so... It's a, it's a good card, but it's not completely nuts. You think it might be one of those cards that will, like, uh, blossom after rotation, like, maybe when the Scars of America comes out? Yeah, or, so. like, the the form becomes a lot more aggro stuff. Like, with Jun being so big, like, it doesn't do much against Jun. It goes, like, sprouting through an axe and stuff. And it's just five mana, so, like, you really need to put in a control shell. And if you're putting in a control shell, you're probably playing Light for Day Judgment, Path, and Baneslayer, so you really don't need the card. That makes sense. Yeah, so Cargan Dragon, though, I think's overrated. I would not waste your million dollars on him now. All right, so moving back back to red. Um, so, Lord of Shatter Skull Pass. This looks kind of... Uh, it's a 6-6 six, six for 5, I guess? What's his level up cost? 1 red. Yeah, it's a 6-6 six, six for 5, so like that's okay. Like That guy even might be better than the Dragon Lord. Uh, you know, if you ever do give him a level 6, he, you can't lose the game. He's going to be retarded and limited. But at the same time, it's a lot of it. Like 12... Doesn't 16 have any mana. Just a, I mean, if you attack when he's big, he has evasion because he's killing everything you're supposed to control. Unless they have like a deathless angel or some stupid crap in play. Right on. Um, Matt, uh, the, it's currently spoiled as Mass Token. I'm sure it has a name by this point. But you sacrifice all creatures you control, put them in a 4 4 red Hellion creature token to play for 5 colors in a red. That card's kind of interesting with all the Eldrazi spawn. Yeah. Like you just put a whole bunch of Eldrazi spawn in. It's kind of like a Rise of a Lot of Day of the Dragon. Yeah. Remember that card back then? So that card could be a sleeper. Um, do you think with like a maybe a do you think maybe a, a, a red white token this deck would, would generate from that like maybe a um, something with the I think Marshall you really, coups and conquerors play possibly, but I think you really need some black in there to strip your opponent's wrath uh, uh, effects. Otherwise, you okay. just like wasted too many you're cards. Just wait, yeah, you just kind of walking into their into their shit. Um, there's a whole bunch of Eldrazi spawn makers. Um, like, I think Spawning Breath's pretty good. One day I'm a shark creature player, and then you put a zero one spawn into play. Like, instant speed's pretty sweet. Splinter Twin's horrible. Tuck Tuck the Explorer should say when it leaves play. I'm a little bummed about that guy. It's when he goes to the graveyard. Yeah. put a 5 out of play. But, like, I don't know. I wish he, he said when he leaves play. But nothing, like, too sexy about red at all. Like, I mean... No, there's some good... Like, I think Rapid Flames is going to win more limited games than, like, 98% of the other cards in the set. Yeah. Um, uh, like, it, I don't know, it's just so nuts. Like, if you remember, there was a card in Shadow Morse, the same mana cost, and it dealt one damage to all blue and white creatures, and creatures couldn't block. Like, this guy just kills, like, every other color, and, you know, he's just free and It's basically just four, four mana for Alpha Strike. It's Alpha Strike, but it also could kill a Pinger in the process, or a Tapper, or something stupid, so it's pretty sweet. Um, it's like never a dead go. Alright, so we're, it looks like we're at the green now at this point. We're at green. Uh, Awakening Zone's interesting. Like, it's, you know, Goblin Assault for green, put zero ones in play. I don't know how good it will be, but pretty sweet. Four Umper's really good. It's Moldorine Cloak, basically. Yeah, no, and I, I, I actually really like that. Not quite as good as Moldorine Cloak, but it's still pretty good. You're still gonna play it, you know. Yeah, like Path to Exile running around, you know, just hurt so many decks, but. Uh, gross Bomb, or Gross Spasm, I guess. That card, I think, will be highly played and constructed. Really? Yeah, like, three minutes. I mean, it's Kadama's Reach, but you get both lands in play effectively. So, like, you get your basic land put into play, and now you have a zero one that you can block with, or next turn sacrifice. Like, you go straight from three to six mana, which is pretty, like, turn four having six mana is really huge. It's, like, almost like Coalition Relic was. And, like, if you don't need, uh, you know, in the late game, when you don't want, you know, stupid lands anymore, you'd have a zero one blocker, which is not the worst. Um, so yeah, I think that guy's really good. Jaroga uh, Tree Speaker. This guy is actually probably the only, like, level up guy that I like a lot. I don't, he's okay. Like, the only thing is his level 5 plus is completely irrelevant. So. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, I don't care about that. I mean, I just, I like the idea of really not losing tempo with... Yeah, he's right. Devoted Druid. Like, yeah. if you like Devoted Druid, you like this guy. He might not have as much play right now, but he's good. He's definitely... Solid guy. 
what was it? I, lo- I love momentous ball. That was a card I spoiled on TCG player. <laughs> and and to quote Conley Woods, I will break this card. <laughs> it's not like it really doesn't need it. it you know, there's. Yeah, there's, you don't need a lot of help with it. I don't need a lot of help breaking this uh, uh, card, like, but oh, I guess I'll, just, I'll play it. <laughs> I guess I'll sacrifice this Venture and draw four cards to gain through life. Oh, guess what? Next turn, he's right back and play attack again. Like, exactly. It's it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a card. You think that this card will be good uh, across the board in like limited, standard, and blocked, and all that good stuff? Um, limited, standard, block, yes. I don't know about expense. Not yet. Like, uh, maybe... Uh, Moldire Channelers, I think, is an interesting card. Um, like, you either have a 5-5 five, five on turn 3, or you have you have 2 extra mana on turn 3. It seems like you're, like, in constructed purposes, it, it's competing with the, the Knight of the Reliquary slot. Sure, but at Nia. the same time, like, 3 mana 5-5s five, are never bad. And, like, no, with, with, all, with fetch lands and stuff, you can, like, you can keep them at 5-5 five, five if you want to be. Like, he definitely does compete with Knight of the Reliquary, but at the same time, like, that deck doesn't have any other free draw. Really. It also it seems like it has a really good uh, interaction with uh, Jace the Mind Sculpt. Pretty much, whatever. Yeah, you yeah, need exactly. Um, and the fact that the attacks are two color, two mana of any color is pretty big. Like, I think we'll see some play. I don't know how much, but Nest Invader, I love a bear that puts a zero one into play that sacrifices for mana. It's always good. Um, Overgrown Battlement is like might no, I would. It's not as good as Wall of Omens, but he's just buying it. Like, I love that card. Two minutes. You think he's going to be in, definitely in constructive play? Uh, uh, definitely block. Um, standard, he should see some play. I don't know if he will, but he should. Like, okay. There's a lot of cards that should see play and they never do. So, uh, Realms Uncharted, I know, is a, is a big card that got spoiled early and a lot of people... It's really good. It's a little overrated. Uh, people are acting like it's Green Savior. Like, you basically have to be playing with neither Relic Warrior. It's not that exciting just because you have no way to recur the lands. In, I mean, you have... You can run it with... Um, Grim Discovery, but other than that, there's really no way to get lands back. Like, in Extended and Legacy, it'll be huge, because you have ways to life alone and stuff, but in Standard, it's not going to be as good as people think, it, unless you're doing with Nada Relicary, in which case, it reads, give my guy plus two, plus two, and get two lands. Do you think it's possible to have, like, a... a do you think it might be good, or even feasible to have an Eldrazi type of Standard deck, where you're running the Eldrazi Temple, you're running the Eye Sure, you run those two cards, and you run Uncharted, and you get those two cards from two other lands, and they don't give you those two cards. That's the problem, is there's no way to recur lands. I, so. I mean, you'd have to run something like Prince or something like this, to try and get Then you're running green black, and that's not very... That's not very good. Yeah. I mean, green black's not necessarily bad, but I don't think that's the kind of thing you cast in Uncharted. Um, Venge Vine's insane, everyone's talked about it plenty, I'm kind of bummed it's a mythic rare. Doesn't seem very mythic to me. No, it seems Bloodbraid Elf's uncommon. This is pretty similar to Bloodbraid Elf, and Bloodbraid Elf's so this could be rare pretty easily. Um, but that just makes like fifty guys to grab with you know your your myth. You have like literally eight playable mythics, so it's gonna be expensive set. So I've heard a lot of actually we're gonna rewind really quick to a card we didn't talk about. Gideon Jura. Gideon, yeah. I guess. Like, what do you uh, what do you think of Gideon? There's um, been a lot of weird mixed reviews on this card. I think that he might actually be good. I think he's really good, but I don't think he's like Elspeth good. Okay. Um, he's about as good as Elspeth that cost one more mana, if that makes sense. So he's not okay. as good. Um, uh, like, the fog effect's pretty cool. The only thing is you're ramping, and you have nothing to really ramp to. Um, you're basically just ramping so you can use more of his, uh, of his vengeance ability or whatever. That, what's it called? Control? Uh, I don't know. It's three colors and a white, destroy target attack creature. I think it's been. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. He's good. He kills creatures, you know. He also six, protects six, planeswalkers, too. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a Planeswalker deck, it's pretty good. The only problem is, if he comes down after the Planeswalkers, the other Planeswalkers, then they had already had the chance to attack those Planeswalkers and stuff. If he comes down before the Planeswalkers, he's not protected yet. That's true. So, he's got that kind of awkward thing where he's 5 in, you can't really cast him with another spell. He's good. He'll see a lot of play. I think he's been in Sarkon Man, but uh, it's not as good as Jace or else better Johnny. Speaking of Sarkon Man, what do you think about this guy? I think this guy needed an 8th loyalty, or his last ability costs minus three, so you could double up on his second ability and then use his last ability. Um, I don't think he really has a home. Like, I'll see some play in Jun if people want to experiment. Yeah. But, like, the fact you have to target your creature really bad. I wish you just said target player sacrifices the creature, because, like, you're never going to use it on your opponent. Well, you're rarely going to use it on your opponent anyway, so targeting a creature is not bad. But, like, let's say you go, oh, I'll target my Sprouting Chronic, sacrifice it, and then, like, path to exile. Like, you just lost two loyalty off your guy, your Sprouting Chronic is dead, you got no tokens, and you got to land out the deal. That's true. Like, 
It's just proof, and he has no way to recover that loyalty. So, like, he wasted two loyalty that's, like, actually precious. Well, speaking about, like, adding cards to Jund, I mean, Jund is the, the, the big the big deck in standard right now. You think people will play around a little bit with Sarkon Madden and what about Vengevine? Yeah. Do you think they'll do momentous fall? Because it seems really they good might. Right? Like all those cards will, will be experimented with. I don't know, but like every card that has the potential to play in Jun gets some experimentation. Like Orn Reef saw some play until the Manlands came out. But like there's always the experimentation process. What do we got? I love Dreamstone Hedron. I love this card too. I mean, this is one that actually got me really excited when I saw it. I, I, I talked to a few of my buddies about it. They're just like, really, you, you like this? It's, it's insane. It seems so good. I mean, you. Colorless ways to draw three cards are pretty big. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, and, and it ramps you, too. I mean, you can literally just... I mean, I, like, in any I other really set, like it would be like, oh, it ramps you to nothing. But in this set, it's like, oh, it ramps you to your left. What was the one, what was the one, uh, what was the one that cost two that uh, tap for one mana you can sacrifice for Mindstone. Mindstone. So it's like a, a It's better, triple Mindstone. Yeah, it's not a better version of it, but I mean, it's, it's just a little bit more amplified. Triple Mindstone. Triple Mindstone. How do you go wrong? Other than that, there's not a lot. Like, we're talking about Prophetic Prism. It might see some play in, like, uh, all, uh, Open the Vaults, Time Seed decks, because that deck kind of died out when they lost uh, the... What was it called? Elseworth last. So, it might see play there. I don't know about Rune Server. What do you think about that guy? 2-2 two, two artifact for two. Draw, each player draws per. I don't... I've never been really a big fan of, of both of our... I mean, it, but, I mean, he also comes with a bare body. Like, I don't know. He does, but I mean, like, do do you really want? Probably be really good limited if I guess. Yeah, I would. I would definitely play the limited, but I don't think you really have to play something. I'll draw your temple, pick up four now. Uh, the only I mean, the one thing crappy thing about it is it'll never be an ancient tumor city trade just because there's no Eldrazi outside the set. But even just a few of the Eldrazi in the set that we know of so far are worth it. So. With with like all the pumped up like casting costs on all of these artifacts and Eldrazi, like you think that maybe. Somewhere along down the line, like in the M11, they might bring back the Urzatron lands. Uh, if they brought back the Urzatron lands, everyone will throw a fit, so I'm going to say no. No? There's no land destruction, keep them in check, and casting your gigantic dudes. Yes, I know there's Goblin Room Blaster, but that's not enough. Yes, but you don't even need, you can't, if they go Urzatron Beast, Urzatron Beast, Urzatron Beast, you can't even Tectonic Edge that, and then go Everborn Chalice for three, and turn three, and then untap and cast their 11 mana guy. Like, Tectonic Edge is good, but it doesn't necessarily even stop the Urzatron. Um, but I don't think there's enough, is what I'm saying. Like, you have to... I don't know. I think people people threw a fit last time. Urzatron was in standard. They've done a good job of making it irrelevant and extended right now. Um, yeah. I would. I don't think they would print Urzatron. It just seems... I don't, I don't know if they'll ever reprint that, actually. To be honest. Okay. Well, there are 20 new... There are 20 basic lands... From Rise of Eldrazi. Oh, you, you know want to talk about those? No. But you no. know what card they might reprint in M11? What's that? Temple of the Fault God. Because that does get hurt by Tectonic Edge and That's Goblin Rune Blaster. That's and true. it's kind of like, it doesn't do anything until you have five lands to play, so that card they might reprint. So, just taking a look at, uh, at the, the entire Rise of Eldrazi, so far, what, what we've seen spoiled, do you see any, any new decks that will be created out of this set? You know, like... What current decks do you think are going to be You can't ask strong? me that question. Well, I guess I can. Do you think there's going to be any new decks? Yes, there be will be new decks. Okay. I'll do be playing one in Washington, D.C. Guaranteed. Brand new deck. Washington, of course D. I'm going to be playing a new deck. I'd be playing a new deck of this set. Thing. I'd be playing a new deck if they just cut some sets out of standard. Didn't add anything. They could literally go down to uh, just M10 I, and I'd I be expect you to. I, I, I'm going to hold you to it. So what, what do you think current standard decks... Do you think they're going to get stronger? Which one do you think are going to get stronger? Or, or we... Polymorph gets way better. I've been writing about that a lot. I okay. think it's a really good deck. It gets way better. Um, they have more token makers. They have, uh, you know, better Polymorph targets. They have some decent other things. Like, you could even run the stupid I'm not of this world card, despite it being poop. That was real. Um, yeah, so I think that deck will get better. I think blue-white control gets better. Some of the, like, white weenie gets better. Just student worker alone is probably enough. Because, like, Ranger Rios has been okay in that deck to get, like, step linkses and two ones, but, like, getting 3 3 first strike is pretty big. And the fact that they have, like, an end game in their 3 3 first strike is just come a 4-4 double strike. So that guy would be pretty good. Other than that, I mean, like, there'll be a whole bunch of new decks. Like, th this set does not really, like, cater to current decks. Like, you're trying to cast 11 mana and 15 mana spells, which current decks aren't trying to do. That's so, true. like, summoning trap decks will probably be pop more popular. All right, well, it's about that time in the show where uh, I have to step away and, uh, and come.
Conley. I got to thank Conley for joining me in for this edition of the Playground. I've got to step away and actually play with the green deck right now. Only the cool players know what that means. I want to give a shout out to uh, Tom, Gavin, Jack, Eric, and Steve, the hosts of Monday Night Magic. Whoa, congrats! Whoa, 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 whoa. Congrats on the two hundredth episode. Whoa, you're gonna hey! Yes. I'll give a shout out to you, but you know I don't want to shout it. You're gonna slight me, like I'm on your podcast right now. And you're gonna just forget that I'm on that other podcast. And Conley too. Thank you, Conley too. Asshole. Uh, the shout out goes out to uh, the Denver Nuggets, the best team in the Western Conference. Uh, I think the standings say otherwise. I think we clinched first place last night. Put a shout out to uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. You've made magic fun for me again. And a shout out goes to Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. He saves every one of us. Stands for every one of us. He saves every man, every woman, every child, everybody. Flash. He's the savior of the universe. Flash Gordon. I'll give a shout out to Flash Hulk. Does that count? Is it the same thing? That counts. That counts. Uh, But again, thanks again for joining me, Conley. It's been, been great hanging out with you today. Uh, this is the Jin signing off, saying we'll see you all at the pre-release. Say goodnight, Denver. I'm supposed to say goodnight, Denver. Say goodnight, Denver. Uh, do only people in Denver listen you gotta to say the effing podcast? You gotta say goodnight, Denver, with balls, not not with vagina. All right, goodnight, ballsy Denver.